millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hello there and Happy New Year. It's me, Ben Roy, joined by Neil once again. And we're here to talk about James Bond because in 2020, this is probably the most amount of Bond content you're going to get is stuff on the internet or anyone reviewing old films because... Is No Time to Die really going to come out? Really going to come out? I don't really think so. Do you, Neil? Uh, it looks like I think we're going to be waiting a long time. Um, like you, like you just said, the longest time, the longest yeah. time ever without a Bond film. It's uh, it's pretty heartbreaking. But I understand why they're doing it. Um, nothing's official at the moment, but the room, there's heavy rumours that it's going to be put back to November 2021. Yeah, well, if it, if it, if it even makes that, I, I yeah, we could we could dwell on this forever. But instead, we're going to go on to a much more pleasant topic. Uh, one is actually a personal favorite of mine, and I was actually quite happy when you mentioned this to me the other day, Neil. Was um, we're going to go over and go and re- sort of review and maybe rank at the end if we can agree the um the Roger Moore Bond villains from his tenure. The um the se- we're now we're going to stick to the seven main villains. We're not going to say include Jaws in this because I, i'm gonna speak about jaws because it's jaws but i mean like jaws isn't gonna be in this sort of like criteria because he is a henchman and so like mayday she's a henchwoman and uh Teehee, uh knickknack they're all sort of like second second tier players even though some of them pro- might be better than their sort of like their leaders and they might <laughs> even be the final boss in the films but um so what we should do now first is we're going to go chronologically because that makes sense. And along the way, we're going to let you know where our personal sort of uh, rankings are, what we think of each one. And at the end, we're going to try and list them and sort of rank them. But you never know, me and Neil might be here for four hours biting each other's head off. So I want to start with obviously Live and Let Die. And I'm going to give you the floor, Neil. OK, yeah. So Live and Let Die, our main villain or villains are... Um... Dr. Kananga slash Mr. Big, um, <laughs> who uh, massive spoiler are one in the same person. Um, Mr. Big is like a, uh, a Harlem pimp style drug dealer yeah. uh, who uh, yeah rules rules New York with an iron fist. Whereas Dr. Kananga is a very uh, he's quite he's quite smooth. Is he quite calculated, quite calm? Um, Prime Minister of uh, the Caribbean island San Monique. Um, he keeps with him various people wherever he goes. He has a team. He has uh, Tihi, as we've mentioned. He's also got Baron Samadhi, um, the voodoo uh, god of death. Um, and also, By the, way, he doesn't, the only Bond villain to sort of like not 
die technically i mean jaws doesn't die but yeah uh baron somebody at the end laughing on the train and he was also like meant to come back at some point wasn't he but that was also scrapped yeah i think there were rumors yeah that, that he was going to come back um uh yeah fantastic fantastic henchman but yeah also he has solitaire who uh has the gift of uh the gift of sight with tarot cards who he keeps with him um yeah. uh, and obviously helps him in his uh, criminal schemes providing that she stays a virgin but of course um roger moore has other ideas yeah. um but yeah I, I think he's a, i think he's a pretty good bad guy um i don't know as a kid if i kind of got the whole mr big thing uh, i know i didn't no i think like when the reveal i remember i think when the first time where he does pull his sort of prosthetic makeup off i was a bit freaked out as a kid um and uh, I really like the sound it makes when he whips his wig off. It's like yeah, a... <laughs> brilliant sound as well. Um, but yeah, he's cool. He's 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 very calm and calculated all the way through. Um, I really like the scene where he interrogates Bond uh, about whether or not he uh, has taken Solitaire's virginity. Uh, it's a very um, just a very sinister, very sinister scene. And but he doesn't really get his hands dirty. Uh, you know, he sends Bond off to the uh, the crocodile farm with T. He doesn't sort of oversee that kill. Um, he has minions to do stuff for him. But yeah. um, then right at the end in his final scene, um, when uh, he kind of puts Bond and Solitaire over his shark pit, I always find he, he seems a bit drunk in that scene. We've had a whole film of him being very quiet and very cool and sinister. And he's actually quite jovial in that scene. He's like, Mr. Bond and Solitaire as well, come in. I like, yeah, I think he's I think he's been on the champagne or something there, or the red stripe because they're in Jamaica. Um <laughs> and uh yeah, he, yeah, he just seems a bit pissed. and then uh, he um uh he does something that I always like is that he actually has a fight with Bond. Yeah. Uh, at the end, you know, he pulls a knife. Um, it's a bit of a weird fight, and he does some kind of crazy knife wielding uh, <laughs> moves. Then they end up in the shark pool, and um, well, that brings us to his death. What would you say about his death? I would say his death is uh, one of the highlights of the film. I love how bad it looks. I love that it's just let's take a what is essentially just a balloon and inflate it, and it makes no sense because um, for those who can't remember or haven't seen it or maybe just want us to explain uh bond takes a uh gas canister well it's the size of a bullet because it's meant to be shot from a gun and which we've seen compressed air uh, isn't it compressed air yes which we've seen earlier on has um inflated a sofa which can anger shoots and engulfs um what's his name again Whisper. whisper and then do you ever see whisper again is he just after no, that, the last, so... you, the last you see of Whisper is um, Bond kicks him into this big uh, like heroin container. Oh yes, uh, yeah, and he's never seen again. I, I think he's probably still out there. Whisper, Whisper to return, no time to die, confirmed. But um, yeah, and he gets he gets it thrown back at him. Uh, they're fighting in the pool. Uh, he's actually legit trying to warn. I think they're both trying to warn each other of the impending. As is, is it sharks? I can't. I thought it was always. I can't. I watched that. Sharks. It is sharks. Yeah, because because we had the alligators earlier in the farm, so I get that a bit mixed up. He has a brilliant line when he cuts. uh, He he kind of cuts Bond's arm. Yeah. Um, and then he says, uh, "On the contrary, Mister Bond, I think you'll find those wounds quite fatal." Which is, yeah, really good line. Um, They're all. They're both struggling towards the end, but no. Roger Moore's Bond just takes the compressed air. 
puts it in his mouth, somehow opens it, and then somehow it doesn't shoot out of his mouth. He manages to keep his mouth closed and it inflates <laughs> his whole body, flies up to the uh, ceiling out of the water, sounding like a whoopee cushion. There's an, almost a seamless transition from uh, human to dummy and then bang, dead. And it's actually quite violent if you think about it. Like imagine being exposed from the inside out. But yeah, <laughs> it's um, I, I I like how you say about the Kananga stuff. Like he's very serious and like sort of brooding towards the beginning, and then it's almost like this film is almost like the transition from the Connery sort of very aggressive. I'm here. I'm gonna kill you too. At the end, it's happy go Roger Moore. Let's have some fun. Let's have, let's be all be jovial. And I think also maybe just the actor wanted to wanted to be more of a bundle in the end sort of thing but um yeah i think that this that scene if anything feels like the transition from that last bit of the connery series to you know what we're going to do for the next six films is a nice bit of fun mm. yeah yeah it's uh yeah i mean i never i actually never really thought of the, that uh the, the, his death as being a bit silly i can obviously see that it worth that it is it, it, <laughs> He flies up. I just yeah. went with it, and I've never really. It's ne it, it certainly doesn't bother me. Well, he just flies up, and it's a. <laughs> sorry for those who are listening, but yeah, it, it makes that noise literally, and then bang. But um, it's weird because you mentioned watching it as a kid, as I think a lot of people watched these as when they were younger. I would like to think I did, but like um. I, really, I think this didn't resonate with me until I got older because of the themes it was dealing with and like the drug use and things like that. And I just didn't get it. And I was wondering why they were the same person. And I wanted to see more of Teehee and Baron Samadhi because they were more colorful and sort of like uh, enigmatic, sort of like boom on the screen. Sort of they, they commanded it more than I thought um, Kanga did towards the end. Yeah. His, I mean, his plans, his plans interesting. He plans to uh, give heroin away for free. Which will yeah. knock out all the all the other heroin dealers, you know, the mafia and everyone will bankrupt them, and then, and then, uh, yeah. then he'll have the monopoly. On. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, he's there's something we'll see as we go through these villains. Is he's not poor? No, <laughs> you know, he lives on this. He's got his own island. <laughs> like, um, uh, but and this this will be a running theme that all Roger Moore's. Um, all the Roger Moore villains seem to be really, really well off. So um, it's always confusing <laughs> yeah. as to why they're so just downright greedy. And where would you say you would have Kananga if you were to have it on your own personal list? He's quite top. He's he's top three. I think he's. I, I think I think I'd have him at number three. Okay. Uh, and I have him at uh, four. So we'd see how okay. that works out later on. I think Kananga. I think he's more of one of the underappreciated villains. You go back at it. I, I don't really see many people shout out about Kananga, but then like he definitely stands out more so than some of the other villains in the more era. Uh, so let's jump yeah, well, ahead. Well, one, one last thing about him just before we move on, as I was going to say, just about the actor himself, Yafat Koto. Uh, I, I'm not familiar with a huge amount of his work, but the big one is Alien. Um, yeah. He's oh, yeah. Wanted to get uh, he wanted to get paid so badly in Alien, and then he's eventually rich and live and let die. Yeah, Even though yeah. they probably filmed the other way around. Yeah, uh, but yeah. no, he's a uh, he's a what I've seen him in. I think them two yeah, films yeah. and probably other things. I can't think of the top of my head. I'm not gonna waste people's time by looking at IMDb. But yeah, I think uh, can I get the performance? It's just, just I think it's kind of what we needed for that. If we had say like. 
a Zorin or a you know a Hugo Drax straight off the bat, I don't think it would have been as like seamless. But to the next uh, Bond villain, mm. uh, Sir, well, yeah, Sir Christopher Lee played um, Francisco Frank. Scaramanga, who is it's funny like just a little tip, like, a little uh, inside baseball. When I was a kid, I don't know why, but for some reason, I think because I saw. A lot of them on in the games more than I did on the films because I played, mm. like I got Scaramanga and Sanchez mixed up for a bit. I think it's because I was just an idiot and couldn't read as well as a kid. But just like I, for, for one bit, I was like, are they are they related anyway? But that's just a weird tidbit for me. But yeah, Francisco Scaramanga, the man with the gold, the man with the golden gun, uh, got his own film named after him. What would you say about this? How would you rank him in aspects? <laughs> well, um, first off. <laughs> First off the bat, it's Christopher Lee, um, who's just phenomenal. Uh, he's just such a, a highly watchable actor. Um, and I think he does a, another great job here. To be honest, I, would, I think he's the best thing about the film. Uh, I, it, it's not up there as one of my favourite films, but... He brings it. the film right... Like, the film would be lower down for me, but because Christopher Lee's in it... Oh. <laughs> Yeah, 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 exactly that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, again, he starts the film quite uh, quite sinister. We don't really get much from him. Um, and, you know, even by the end, uh, I love the scenes between him and James Bond uh, on his island, uh, how he winds Bond up by basically saying we're the same. Yeah. Um, which he's right. In, in, in and, and you know what back in back in the 70s back in the mid 70s we're the same you and i wasn't played out to death yet so i think that was still sort of like unique and so sort of, oh yeah yeah this is quite interesting i mean i imagine so i wasn't around in 74 so i'm just i'm speaking yeah. for everyone around there you were around in 74 right i wasn't i wasn't no <laughs> but um what's his what do you raise what do you think of his plan it's, it's a bit of a weird it's it's a bit forward thinking to and a bit of a weird one for a Bond villain. It's not world domination, really. It's <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. I mean, I've seen this film a ridiculous amount of times, and the plan still confuses me a bit. It's something to do with solar energy. It's, he wants the he wants the Solex. I think if it isn't the Solex now, then I'm gonna die. Um, I'm it gonna call it yeah. he wants the Solex because it's yeah, it's used to transfer the sun's energy into actual energy. Is that right? Yeah. Because he's also got an entire plant in that base. So I don't know what that plant is exactly for. But it's basically he wants to control the future of energy is what I'm remembering here. But also he's a man for hire and he charges a million a shot. And he lives quite comfortably in yeah, what is he, now known as James Bond Island because it's so famous for that film that they've renamed the island. That's it. Yeah, it's, it's a, a very famous tourist attraction now. But yeah, he lives on that island. He says he lives there rent free from the Chinese government. But he does. Uh, he says, I do my landlords the occasional favour, which obviously means that a couple of times a year he just goes and kills someone for the Chinese government. Yeah. And um, he also just he just he's he's got two things he wants to challenge bond to a duel and he basically he wants to finish this power plant so he can sell the energy to the highest bidder and basically make more millions than he already has it's quite interesting i mean it's it's very different and it's a it's almost like the energy plot may, might not need to be there i would say but it's i feel like it was there in like the first draft of the script and it never left 
Yeah, I, I agree. It does seem like there's two stories going on. Um, and the, the actual Scaramanga and the one with his mistress, try, his mistress sending the bullet and trying to get Bond to take Scaramanga out is much more interest, interesting than the Solex Agitator, which is just a little bit boring, really. But uh, yeah, once again, he's this guy who uh, uh, has a lot of money. He's got a very strange relationship with his henchman, Nicknack, because um, Nicknack is... Uh, his um will inherit everything. Yeah. Scaramanga gets killed, everything goes to Nicknack. Which is um, a bit it's it's very weird that like it's almost like Scaramanga's adopted him in a way. Like you you don't really like if you work with someone it's not really that often like oh yeah by the way um Bob you're gonna get all my all my gear when I die sort of thing. <laughs> but it, I always feel like a very weird aspect and I mean it does add another layer to the film but like, as we see later on but yeah that one always struck a bit like odd for me. It, yeah, it is weird, and it's even weirder when he actively encourages Nicknack to keep bringing people to the island to try and kill him. Yeah, to keep it fresh because he's not getting paid a million for these people. He's just practicing. Yeah, just practice to keep yeah. it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, he has a, a and then the final duel with uh, with with him and Bond is really good, and obviously the Bond thing with the waxwork. Um, actually, we should talk about the waxwork. Where did he get it? <laughs> had, in, that, in the 70s, I imagine uh, you would have to actually get the get the person's head, cast them, and then make it from that. I don't think you could take a photo or I don't think you could use a computer. I don't think you could do anything like that to get it done. Maybe Scaramanga could. He's got millions of dollars and he's got a private island and he's got this future energy sort of thing. But yeah, it's weird how he's just got uh, James Bond, Roger Moore's face and as if someone's just got that on file. But yeah. I'd love to know where that is now if someone Someone's got it in their, you know, in their front room. Do you um, think it, it's either in someone's front room or it's biodegraded and it's all gone mouldy? It's all gone, yeah. Um, but yeah, so um, he doesn't. Um, him and Bond don't actually. They never actually fist fight. Like I say, I think he's too, he's too suave for that, isn't he? Gentleman, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Like I say, I, I think he's a. He's the best thing about that film. He's got a brilliant name. Scaramanga, it's just it's such a Fleming. It's it's such a that Scaramanga on its own, but then Francisco Scaramanga, it just takes it just commands the scene that's saying it. And it's it's also like uh worth noting that like um this film came out in uh 74, I think when he was still like coming towards the end of his uh tour of doing um uh, the Wicker Man, which came out a right. year prior and to Christopher Lee uh famously got made like put a lot in his own self to get made in and took mm. the reels around america america to get like shown but also it, i always find it weird not weird but like interesting that he shares both those films with uh is it brick eckland uh, brick eckland yes. yeah yeah in the Wicker Man, yeah and yeah they're both in the same sort of films and i was you know i always like to imagine whenever actors are in the same films like oh how you doing it's been a while like i, I always I, I always like to imagine they sit down for lunch and they talk about their past films <laughs> yeah it's also it, it, that's just a fun fact to see them both together but Scaramaker himself I rate really highly I think he's really interesting I think like the fact that Chris I mean the fact that it's played by Christopher Lee biased anyway because I can't help it and I'm not an I'm not impartial when it comes to these things I'm just I'm just putting it out there because it's Christopher Lee and he does it so well and even though the plan is a I think the plan of Scaramanga pulls him down a bit but everything from 
wanting to have the duel, like the the iconic shot of both of them with their guns, and then oh, Scaramanga has disappeared, and the ballsiness of him having just one shot compared to Moore's uh, seven. I think mm. the Wolf UK holds seven. If it holds six, I'm sorry, but uh, oh no, I, I think. It's so interesting that that character isn't really shown a lot. I mean, he's he's shown at the beginning and then shown the way through, but he's really in it towards a lot of the end from the shadows. And he commands it so well. And he makes that film from like a, what would be like a four for me to like a seven. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, the, the scene where he uh, executes high fat is just fantastic i absolutely love stick that. him in his temple as that he's, he's he's just really casually making the gun up yeah the gun is made up of oh what is that so it's a cufflink and apparently he, he carried that around on planes as well and would like because obviously back then it, security wasn't as strict and he would get off a plane and make it for people and just for fun and sort of thing for a while so that's just another little nice thing about it he did. oh i didn't know yeah. that he carried, I mean, yeah, it was a cigarette case a lighter a pen, a pen. and a yeah um yeah and i love it how he's just he's just really casually putting it together and then just murders high fat and then says the classic line he always did love that mausoleum put him in it <laughs> fantastic what uh yeah what performance um so before we move on favorite non-bond christopher lee performance is it wicker man have you mentioned it oh that's that's mean <laughs> doing that right here and now like the wicker man is excellent gremlins I- too uh yeah Gremlin is too i also i really think he's like amazing as saruman like saruman from lord of the rings he's excellent in i've loved him as dracula also like i he makes the character of count dooku interesting for me in star wars because he's christopher lee and again i am biased but what about you i think saruman uh, yeah, I was recommending all oh, the Wicker Man. Um, what's his name? Lord Summer, Lord Summerall. Yeah. yeah, but I think Saruman is his um, defining moment. Brit, where, would you, um, where would you rank the free nippled assassin then? Because he's got well, free nipples. I've I've put him at number four. I've put him just one below Kananga, um, which I don't know. Uh, I, I'm not even sure if I maybe I ranked him way too low, but I don't I don't know. Um, I... I have him at number two. Yeah, yeah. Let's um, let's jump ahead to the next film, which would be the Spy Who Loved Me, and the Spy Who Loved Me's villain would be is it, I don't know Carl um, Stromberg. Carl Stromberg. I'm not. I, yeah. I do know who it is, but I, I'm never sure about Carl Stromberg. So I'm I'm curious to see what you think of him with his little fishy hands. Well, I think I think funnily enough, because I mean, the Spy Who Loved Me is such an iconic film. But he's the worst part of that film. Yeah, he he, he is quite a forgettable villain. Um, uh, yeah, his idea is basically he loves he loves to live beneath the sea, and he wants <laughs> he wants to live beneath the sea and to get rid of uh, get rid of everyone else <laughs> who lives on land. He just wants to exist beneath the sea. Yeah. Um, and he he likes food. There's 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 loads of scenes in the film where he's eating. Um, which uh, I think he's even eating during his death scene. He's just having a massive banquet on his own. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, he likes, um, he definitely likes the ladies. He has, um, you know, he has um, uh, Naomi, who's, uh, who shows Bond and Anya around, um, sadly gets killed 
in a helicopter. Um, and then at the end, he even kidnaps uh, Major Anya Amasova and has her kind of tied to a chair, wearing not much. So, yeah, I think he likes his, uh, he likes his young ladies. Um, he has his henchmen, Jaws and um, Sandor. Um, and he basically, he doesn't do much, but he's got very, um, a very sinister voice. I do like his voice performance. Um, yes. I didn't even realise his webbed hands until I got the Blu-rays. I'd never really? Yeah, I just, just never take much notice. Um, I think I wore out my VHS watching that one. <laughs> and it always makes sense now, the line when uh, Naomi says he prefers not to shake hands. Yeah. Can't because you're crushed. <laughs> yeah, but I, I just never got that. Um, and I always like that thing he does when James Bond goes to shake his hands and he just kind of goes, you know, I really like that. Uh, yeah. I wonder I wonder how they explain away his his webbed hands. Like, I, I never really know, and I'm always confused sort of thing. Like, uh, I, I don't think they ever say it. I just think he's got webbed hands because he's rich and he likes the sea and he wants to incite nuclear war so everyone has to live under sea and under his rule basically right mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's <laughs> yeah it's a very spy who loved me it goes with the film the film's sort of larger than life and uh yeah he's just, uh... the film itself is top tier like up there is it, it, it it's top it's top five top three for me like i think yeah it, it's yeah. it's so good like so good and he's sort of like he's in the film and he hands off the film really quickly with his webbed hands to Jaws and then Jaws takes it on and goes after Roger Moore several times and you don't really need him until the end when he no, that's sort of it and even buggers off when he's in the boat and he goes off back to Atlantis for another yeah, banquet yeah. yeah um he doesn't do anything wrong there's nothing wrong with him but he's just he, he's just not very memorable um I think that's it and uh it's not a, well I think the actor uh Kurt Jurgens, the actor, it's called. I think he obviously had a fantastic career, but I personally don't know him from anything. I couldn't name you another film, a big film he was in. Um, but I'm, yeah, I'm positive he had a very, a very good career, and he, he's good. He just they didn't give him much to do. He's um, totally overshadowed by Jaws, and yeah. when he hands the film off to him, <laughs> from there it just it, he's a necessary evil. Get the, get the pun there but also he is just yeah he's a bit of a nothing at the end and it's only i wish he could get more but in that in that film it was kind of stacked all the way through so i mean he's a means to an end he's villain 74 he could almost have been blowfield and could have like just escaped at the end just like jaws did in some way but um yeah his, uh, his his death i mean obviously uh, when bond um, finds him he yeah he is he's having a he's having a huge meal for one yeah. um and he's got this gun underneath his ridiculously long table uh invites bond to sit down and then you know tries to shoot bond with this gun but it, the bullet takes so long to get <laughs> to the other end bond has plenty of time to get out of the way it's, it's then, almost it's almost good that they can use uh blofeld at this point in Bond, so they could actually invent some more things. But thinking about a few of these, like uh, Drax, who we get to in a minute, spoilers. They could also just have been Blofeld. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's it. I, I, and I think um, at one point, possibly it was even supposed to be Blofeld, uh, without going into all that sort of behind the scenes court yeah. stuff. I think it, you know, possibly the, there's a draft of the film where it was Blofeld. Um, when Roger Moore shoots him back down the this pipe under the thing. Yeah, as a kid, I always thought he shot him in the balls. 
I think now as an adult, I think it's probably he's taking one in the stomach. But uh, yeah, it's, yeah. Um, do you think <laughs> it's pretty ruthless he, though? It just just shoots him. Just it is, and he keeps shooting him. I think he shoots him four times. I think yeah. you know, even even when he's clearly dead, Roger Moore takes a couple more shots at him. I mean, he uh, deserves it for almost inciting nuclear war between uh, yeah. America and Russia, especially he- during the Cold War itself. But yeah, I mean. But very violent in the, what is very much a fun film. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Want to teach your kids financial literacy but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. Yeah, yeah. Well, all I have to say about that is Egyptian builders. Where would you, where would you rank him in your list? I've actually got him at the bottom. Oh. Got him at number seven. I, uh, I have him similar down there. I have him at number. You know what? I've actually, I'm, I'm switching it on the fly here. I have him at number six. I yeah. do have him at number five, but I've talked about him now. I've got him at number six. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, just, just. Just overshadowed by Jaws, really. So, uh, jumping off to the uh, next film, Moonraker. Moonraker. So, yes. yeah, Hugo Drax. I mean, this is uh, it, it's quite similar to The Spy Who Loved Me, whereas Strongberg wanted a, a city beneath the sea, Drax wants a city in space. Um, so, in some ways, they're quite similar villains, but Drax has a dryness, uh, like he has some fantastically uh, humorous lines and he delivers them. Fantastically, I just as a kid, I was quite scared of Drax, even though he never actually really does anything. Again, doesn't hugely get his hands dirty, but it was just like he's going to go to sleep. <laughs> well, I think maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe he was. Maybe it was a boring shoot. Um, I love the the little look on his face when he uh, when um, the dogs get set on Corrine and chase her through the forest. There's a there's a cut back to him. Yeah, and it's just a real a close up of him, and he just just looking, just like this is boring for him. <laughs> like it's yeah, uh, I think he's. Uh, I have to say, I love him. I think he's fantastic. I think bored of frustration because he wanted the dogs to be for more. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to keep going and bond more in this. I'm sorry. Yeah, but yeah he wanted, he wanted the dogs for him, but obviously 
somehow he, for some reason he just lets him go even though we just tried to kill him but um yeah for me i'll always think whenever i see a cucumber sandwich i'll always think of him as well because mm. just he introduced me to the concept of a cucumber sandwich and like you know like, oh, what's this i mean that sounds very weird but you know at a very young age you don't want you don't want greens <laughs> in your life but um yeah he's He's sort of like a really tired, uh, I've heard this around the internet, like a really tired sort of like dog. Like, oh, yes, uh, do this and I will sleep now because I am too busy doing space. And he's just an excellent excuse to get Bond in space. And we all know uh, this is the the one Bond, fact, one Bond fact that you don't know, but everyone actually knows is because Star Wars did so well. They were like, we're sending Bond to space because in The Spy Who Loved Me, it was next up going to be Fioris only, but uh, Roger yeah. Moore signed extra, signed on extra just for this sort of thing, and with good shout because even though it's camp to no end and it's not serious in really any way apart from oh we're just gonna just gas the world and we're gonna start a new master race, but not that kind of master race. It's a master race which um, is quite actually full, full of like oh, the from what we can see many ethnicities and sort of like backgrounds all around the world so it's not just he's not just being hitler too he's actually going for something different and wants yeah. diversity in the oh, world kind of young and beautiful aren't they uh yeah you know, all, uh, you know which um becomes a big plot point at the end when jaws uh changes sides when he realizes that he's not young or beautiful it's the only time that he ever emotes like because he doesn't really emote at all when he dies he just gets uh, it just gets done in with uh, Roger Moore's wrist dart thing, mm-hmm. which is basically just a Spider-Man web shooter. But um, the only time he ever really emotes is uh, when he gets introduced, uh, when he's calling bad guys or us and he needs another bad guy because his bad guy, uh, who I am. Um, uh, missing... Ch- well, it's spelled Chang, but they pronounce it Char in the film. Char. Yeah, Char uh, gets thrown out of, a, thrown out of a clock tower. Mm-hmm after going through thousands of panes of glass and all this sort of like glass uh, vase and artwork stuff. But yeah, he, um, of course, bad guys are us. And Jaws just happens to be up. For- Jaws is Jaws is doing nothing at the moment and he's he's free. So let's bring Jaws in. And then he, his line is like, oh, well, if you can get him for me. <laughs> and that's sort of like, that's the only time he breaks out of, sad and tired and unamused of everything in life he gets yeah i mean he, yeah he gets a bit angry with jules when he's asking jules to put bond and holly out of the airlock and jules is hesitating he, yeah. I mean, he shouts a bit there but um yeah he's just i i know what you mean that he does look quite sleepy throughout the film but um there is there is a sinister aspect to him and i love the fact that he's he's personal friends with the minister of defense um so <laughs> when bond takes them to the laboratory or then they all dress up in gas masks um drax says something like forgive me not being <laughs> not being english i sometimes find your sense of humor a little <laughs> like it's yeah, yeah it's great he, ha- he has some fantastic lines um again uh like strongberg and all the others we've mentioned ridiculously rich yep um, he can afford to build a space station um so yeah he's not but he's not really he's not in it for money much like strongberg wasn't in it for money um they just wanted to uh to live in space slash under sea one yeah. of the hi- you know, one of the heights i would say for roger moore's bond era how would you rank him 
I've got him at number two. Oh, um, I've got him high. I mean, it's. I think a lot of that maybe that's performance. I mean, I, I, like I say, I find his performance really sinister. I love his dialogue. Um, yeah, his plans. His plans a bit out there, but yeah, he, he's out there for me. He, he scared me as a kid, and um, I just that's, think it's a fantastic performance. That's fine. Well earned. Uh, moving on to. Uh... Where did you have him? Sorry. Oh, sorry. Yes, uh, number three. So we're very similar there. Oh, yeah. Moving on to uh, For Your Eyes Only, uh, we have Chris Atos, who um, I never really remember much about and I think is boring. So if you want to take the lead here, I think this one will be quick. Yeah, Aris Chris Atos, he, uh, I mean, obviously it's, um, it's a bit of a, um, a cheat in the film because it's made out of the beginning that he's actually uh, one of Bond's allies and it's, uh, it's Columbo that's the villain. And uh, yeah, huge spoiler. We played uh, fantastically by Julian Glover, who's, as we know, he's been, he was in Indiana Jones, he's been in Empire Strikes Back, mm-hmm. he's been yeah. in um, Game of Thrones yeah. uh, for quite a few seasons. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, the character for me does nothing. Uh, sorry for jumping in there. I'll let you carry on. Well, he's a bit, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he's, uh, he's quite a believable character. You know, yeah. a little bit like, you know, when we get to License to Kill uh, with Dalton, that Sanchez is kind of like a character that you believe actually exists in the world. Wes says, I'm not sure that I believe that with, you know, Strongberg or Drax. That they are Do, I mean, at, at this point, were we trying to come to that Bond felt though? I think that's, that's why it's a major misstep. And like, sure, it might not be anything wrong with the movie, but if this was, say, like helmed by daniel craig it might have been up there as like the best one like yeah it was a knock-on effect from moonraker moonraker went too over the top with space uh in certain people's opinions <laughs> and they wanted to bring it right back down to fleming with your eyes only so he, you know it's very much a story about smuggling um uh and the uh you know the cold war and uh and yeah they they, they picked a i mean Julian Glover does a fantastic job. I'm not sure there's much more he could have done. It's just, uh, it's much more of a kind of spy villain rather than a big larger than life one. Yeah. Um, he's, uh, yeah. Um, I quite like the thing which was taken straight out of one of the Fleming books of him dragging them in the boat along the coral so the yeah. sharks will get them. Uh, you know, uh, that's that's good. Um, and yeah, they play on this, this lifelong rivalry he's had with the character of Columbo played by Topple, who actually does become, you know, one of Bond's greatest allies. And um, it's him that actually kills him in the end. It's, it's uh, Bond, Bond doesn't get to dispatch uh, the main villain. It's, it's Columbo with a, a knife to the back. Um, yeah. I understand. He, yeah, he, he is forgettable. Um, I don't think that's the actor's fault. I remember more of General Gorgle as he appears coming for the old... Uh... I don't know what it's called in here, but I'm just going to say it's the lector, whatever they were after this one, this coach. Uh, and he's flown all this way. He's managed to get through, like, from his, for some reason, him, one of the highest ranking officers in the Soviet Union, is allowed out just to chill. And um, like he was in every other film. And yeah, he comes on, he ha- hands out, and he's waiting for it. And then Bond throws it off the edge and destroys it. And he's just like, well, I wasted all my time there. I just, just you, you imagine he wants to go F you, stick his fingers up, and then he just goes home. 
That's it. It's the the A the ATAC system. It was called, and yeah. um, I could have put a lot of money down the fact that uh, you would bring up General Gogol because uh, I, I almost brought him up in the um, the Lepasti, but I just couldn't get him in there. But General Gogol, established that, that you love him. Yeah, he's yeah. one of the best side characters ever. Where would you rank uh, Chris Atos? I've got him down the bottom. I've just got him just one above Strong. Berg, so I've got him at six. I got Strongberg at the bottom at seven, and then Chris Statos. Uh, yeah, as you mentioned, fantastic career Julian Glover's had. Uh, Game of Thrones, Doctor Who, Star Wars, Indiana Jones. Uh, yeah, just I've got nothing bad to say about him. He's just in a run of really big, memorable villains and larger than life villains. He's just quite uh... the, the the guy with the octagonal glasses is more. The, the 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 sort of uh, the Lock. henchman yeah, slash plot uh, man, yeah, yeah Lock. Um, yeah, he's in a way he's more memorable when he doesn't have a single line of dialogue in the whole film. Yeah, <laughs> but, but um, so you've got him at the the second to bottom, you said. So uh, yeah, and I have him at the bottom. Right. So I, I just think about your eyes only. Never does it for me. I tried again last year, and still doesn't do it for me. So. Uh, biased again, we're moving on to uh, Roger Moore's sixth film in the series, uh, Octopussy. Now, this one kind yeah. of is weird because it has two, I would say two villains, but we're just going to go with the, the main one here. Uh, General Olof is uh, who you think is the main villain, but it actually turns out to be Kamal Khan. <laughs> yeah, uh, all of, yeah, yeah. I mean, we should, we should definitely talk about him. Um, but I, for me, Kamal Khan's always been the, the main villain. He's the one that's, you know, still going at the end of Act 3. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, you know, as is all off sort of buys it um, earlier in the film. Uh, but yeah. Thanks to, thanks to General Gogol. Gogol, <laughs> yes. sorry. He comes in and he's like, stop what you're doing, you naughty boy, and then gets him shot. Definitely, yeah. Um, yeah, Olaf is a massively over-the-top performance from Stephen Burkoff. I, I like it, but um, I think the year before or the year after, he plays the villain in uh, Beverly Hills Cop, and it's such a subdued, sinister, cold, like, collected performance. And then you see him as Olaf, and it's mental. Yeah. But... I, I enjoy it. I really like the scene in the uh, in like the Russian headquarters where he's uh, basically tells the rest of the, the rest of the Russian board that they can basically take over Europe in a in a matter of days, and they basically just bollock him and tell him to sit down and be quiet. And he goes yeah. sits there like a grumpy school kid. Yeah, it's one fantastic. of the um, the recurring theme of the Bond films, paints in the Soviet Union, is having these grand halls where they take. Uh, sort of uh, meetings and when we see Gorgul uh, in Spy Love Me who's just sitting in this massive room for no reason and then um, again here that this whole room which spins round on a plate lovely, like, lovely. you imagine how much that costs to set up a pine wood things like that but yeah um, but what do you think of Kamal Khan though yeah um, so Kamal Khan um, uh, he's very suave he's very sophisticated he's yeah you know he's quite a good looking guy in some ways he's he's almost like a um uh, yeah, he's a very good match for Roger Moore. Uh, he's got a very glamorous uh, girlfriend. Who yeah. He's quite happy <laughs> to send off to have sex with Bond. Um, but it doesn't seem to bother him. Uh, he lives in this huge palace. I think it's called the Mon the Monsoon Palace. Yeah, that sounds um, right. In, uh, in India, uh, where he frequently orders a massive sheep's head and just eats the eye. Um, again, again, a very, a very well-off villain. 
Um, doesn't hugely like to get his hands dirty. Uh, he sort of offloads the uh, the dirty work to Gabinda, uh, who often off offloads it to other people. He's the one that goes and hires those guys. The guy with the the uh, the yo yo yeah the yo yo blades and stuff like that. Um, and uh, he's obviously working with Octopussy uh, as a smuggler. Yeah. But then she doesn't realise that there's, you know, there's this whole plan to, to detonate the bomb at the, at the American air base in Germany. She doesn't know any of that. Um, and at the end, when it all goes wrong, he uh, he just tries to run away. Uh, in the <laughs> back, um, and I like when he's flying the plane and Bond's outside and he says to Gabinda, go out there and get him. And then Gabinda goes, um, out there? Yeah, yeah. Um, and... Uh, yeah, I would have liked uh, Bond to have, uh, you know, roughed him up a little bit, but um, in the end, he goes down in the plane. Yeah, um, but yeah. he excels in the dialogue scenes and, like, say the scenes when they're playing. Uh, what are they playing? Oh, backgammon. Backgammon. Yeah, uh, and just Bond as uh, Roger Moore's Bond as most Bonds is like, hey, I've got the thing you want. It's right here, and just winds him up straight away. And from it's just it's just classic I, I love to see that sort of the the villain and bond get sort of like get a bit of talking in whereas they like yeah uh stromberg doesn't really ever meet bond i feel like uh and chris atos because he's hidden for the for a lot of the film you feel like as the villain you never get really sort of these nice exchanges between the two yeah. Yeah, uh, he's quite extravagant. I like when Bond escapes from his palace. Instead of just like sending some people to hunt him down, they have a full-on like elephant hunt. Yeah, um, I think that's yeah, I think that's quite cool. Um, and I really like the uh, the scene at Sotheby's, the auction scene where Bond out, uh, almost outbids him and forces him to pay way more for the egg. That's just it's a fantastic scene, very Fleming-esque. He's on um, a he's on a wind up this one. But where would you um move, where would you rank him though? Um, that's what I want to know. I've got him at number five. Yeah. So around about the middle. Yeah. He's at number five. Uh, I like him. There's no, I've got nothing bad to say about him. But yeah, he doesn't uh, doesn't stay with me like some of the others does. And I always think it, I just kind of wish he'd got beaten up. Yeah. I, I think Olof takes the bullets and all that sort of thing for him and Gabinda does in for it. And it's also weird because... Uh, I don't know what the how bad how much the marketing was like at the time, but going into this, you think Octopussy is going to be the villain, like because it's titled Octopussy, but then it's like she's being taken for a ride, and uh, yeah, for that thing, I I I like him, uh, but he's outweighed by some other heavyweights here, so I've got him at another five. <coughs> yeah, same as me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so let's move on to the. Last but not least, the final villain in A View to a Kill, the granddad Bond film, because at this point, Roger Moore is old man, but it's still great. Uh, Zorin, Max Zorin of Zorin Industries, played by Christopher Walken. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, uh, I don't know where to begin. Uh, I love him. Absolutely. Yeah. Love him. Uh, I like how, uh, again, he's ridiculously rich. Uh, we start off in his huge, like, big chateau in france um uh I, yeah i just I, I love it i don't know i'm a bit tongue-tied about him really I, I like the fact that he just kind of laughs all the way through the film yeah uh you know even even after mayday's you know 
foiled his plan, the bomb hasn't gone off, Silicon Valley's still intact, and he's in the airship. He's still laughing the whole time. Um, yeah, it's, it's a weird one, because we're told that he's uh, he's one of these, um, uh, like a result from these steroid uh, kind he's of... A, he's a Nazi experiment. He's a super, yeah, Nazi, Nazi super soldier, technically, but he's super yeah. intelligent instead or something like that. Well, we're, yeah, we're, we're told that he's, he's highly intelligent, um, that he's psychotic, and he's also got... Um, you know, enhanced strength, which is always weird because it's Mayday that you see have the enhanced strength as opposed yeah. to him. Well, I always think, you know, was Mayday one of these steroid kids as well? As we um, see Mayday's strength in the, uh, one of the better go-go scenes of the um, Roger Moria where he comes to, to tell off uh, Zorin and Zorin's like, ah, get out of it. And Mayday just beats up his, beats up Gogo's goons. But yeah, yeah. I just wanted to mention that for the Gogo watch. Carry on. Yeah, I yeah I, I like him from the beginning. I think the first time we see him is at um, at the races uh, where his horse uh, Pegasus comes in, and then obviously Bond meets him. Uh, there's a fantastic scene between him and Bond where Bond winds him up about fly fishing. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, uh, he does his fantastic line. I'm happiest in the saddle. Uh, <laughs> it's a really good line. Uh, then they go and they have that like steeplechase kind of. Uh, uh, sequence where all of Zorin's goons are trying to knock Roger Moore off the horse. Yeah, he's just brilliant. You lost 007. He's he's got some fantastic lines, and um, he's really violent at the end when he's uh, you know him and Scarpin have got their Uzis and they are just taking out everyone, just murdering out. everyone. Um, yeah, really, famously, Roger Moore hated that sequence um, and just said that's that's too too violent for Bond. Um, I mean, I, I think there's plenty of... Did he watch Licence to Kill? I wonder, what, I wonder what he has to say about that. I have to dig that up. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, obviously, he escapes in his airship. And then you have the final fight uh, on top of uh, the Golden Gate Bridge, which is good. I mean, uh, I understand with you're dealing with Roger Moore at that age and that there, there wasn't a huge amount they could do with that fight. But I just, I like it that, like I say, I like when the villains get stuck in. And uh, I love when he jumps down onto the bridge holding an axe. Just think that's brilliant. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's played by Chris Walken. Come on, he's so excellent in the role. And with uh, uh, Grace Jones as Mayday as well, it's just it's just a perfect sort of like combination. Then they got it so right. It's just looking back in now. Yeah, Roger Moore was a bit too old, and everyone in MI6 is is a pensioner at this point in the um when you see them at the beginning in the uh the horse racing but yeah roger not roger moore uh christopher walken as max zorin is phenomenal and he's so compelling i really wish he's one i would love to have come back like when i was a kid i would like draw try and draw him as like you know he just fell at the bridge maybe someone found him and scooped him up and gave him a metal well, yeah as, again as, as a kid i was like i i thought he was still alive yeah, you know, uh, really, as, as a little kid, I was like, "Well, you know, he just swam off." Maybe, <laughs> yeah. You don't realize as a kid that water from that height is basically concrete when uh, you land at it, and a lot of people don't ever make it, sadly, from that sort of fall. But yeah, uh, from the like, just from the flying in a blimp to uh, destroying Silicon Valley and looking forward into like the world of the microchip and being a bit forward thinking there and using sort of like steroids in a horse race sort of thing and 
Yeah, his, his plans. His plans similar to Goldfinger's. You know, Goldfinger yeah. was, isn't it? It's just, you know, here's a similar plan. They but, have that bit where he announces his plan in the blimp, like Goldfinger does in the yeah, in the thing, and they just leads one person off and just flings him out the blimp. But where moving on because I think we're running short on time here. Where would you um, where would you put Max Zorin in? Your he's number list? one for me. Yes. Of course, surprisingly, he's number one for me as well. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, as we segue on into this uh, this ranking that we do here, try to keep it brief for you. Uh, so we don't need to argue about number one because that's Zorin. Uh, number two, I would say I would say Scaramanga. Who would you say? I, I had Drax, but um, yeah. Where is Scaramanga for you again? Scaramanga was four. See, I've got Drax at three. Maybe we could have Drax at two because that's being a bit fairer there. Yeah. And Scaramanga at three. Who's, uh, I've got Kananga at four. Kananga at four, yeah. Yeah. Stromberg is at, oh, sorry. Kamal Carlin's five. Same. Yeah. Yep. Stromberg six. Okay. I had Christatos six and Stromberg the other way. But yeah, go with yours there. Go, go Stromberg, Christatos. Right, so that's if I'm taking this right. So in reverse order, number seven is Christatos uh, from Fury Eyes Only. Number six is Stromberg from The Spy Who Loved Me. Uh, number five, Kamal Khan from Octopussy. Little, little tag in there with Orloff. And number four, Kananga from The Living, not The Living, uh, from Live and Let Die. Number three, uh, Francisco Scaramanga from The Man with the Golden Gun. Number two, uh, Hugo Drax from Moonraker, The Sad, Quiet, uh, Cucumber Man. And number one, Max Zorin from A View to a Kill, played by Christopher Walken. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm happy with that list. Um, yeah, one thing we didn't say about uh, Kamal Khan is uh, the fantastic way he says the word octopusy. Octopusy, absolutely fantastic. Yeah, he's just a rich um, bar, a bugger the whole time. So yeah, <laughs> but um, I would say none of them are bad, but like some of them are just in meh films. If I'm gonna be honest, like and Schoenberg, Schoenberg's probably the worst because he doesn't get enough time. And Christatos, he's in Fioras only, so I don't like him. So that's just me. But um, that's our list. Do you have any lasting things you want to say about these Bond villains before we go? Just I, 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 like I say, I think there's some there's 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 some really good films where the villains weren't that good and there's some of the lesser films that had great villains i just think it was a good mix roger moore had a fantastic mix and look at the the you know the quality of actors he was he was able to go up against i look at this list and you know the actors yeah. are fantastic you just you just can't fault them at all um yeah uh, i think it's yeah i really enjoyed that cool and um i just say just just a great list of villains like i i think roger moore got the, the, the best villains out of any bond if i'm gonna say it and probably some of the best henchmen as well but uh we want to know what you think if you think that there were we got it wrong if you would change them around or if you think we got it right uh let us know uh let us know somewhere like because there's no comments in audio podcasts it's always weird to say so tweet us at what culture or just or you can tweet me at Ben Roy Turner to tell me I'm wrong or I'm lazy for saying that I don't like this film, so I don't like this villain. Or you can tweet Neil at uh, Neil James eighty three on Twitter. Yeah, please um, 
please tell me I'm wrong. Send um, all your go-go pictures to him and send me some cucumber pictures to me. But um, that's uh, that's everything for our first installment of 2021. Yeah, I'm going to go off and have some cucumber sandwiches and teach my dog to eat at pace when I click my finger. And we will return. See you later. Bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Have you made the switch to NYX? Millions of women have made the switch to the revolutionary period underwear from NYX. That's K-N-I-X. Period panties from NYX are like no other, making them the number one leak-proof underwear brand in North America. They're comfy, stylish, and absorbent, perfect for period protection from your lightest to your heaviest days. They look, feel, and machine wash just like regular underwear, but feature incognito protection that has you covered. You can shop sizes from extra small to 4XL. Choose from all kinds of colors, prints, and different styles, from bikinis to boy shorts, thongs to high-rise. You've got to try NYX. See why millions are ditching disposable, wasteful period products and have switched to NYX. Go to knix.com and get 15% off with promo code TRY15. That's nix.com promo code TRY15 for 15% off life-changing period underwear. That's knix.com. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.